Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, hi everyone. I was just sitting here procrastinating. I'm at the shore and it's early. I got up actually quite early today. I rode my bike to get a bagel and I came back and I had to watch two episodes because I didn't do it yesterday, which I usually like to do. And cousin Julia just texted me that we're going to lunch at 1230 and it's 10. So we got to get through this episode so I can go on the boat and go to lunch. But anyway, hi friends. How are we? I want to remind everyone that I have a little Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I put out an episode every single week. I've never, ever missed an episode over there. I plan to never unless, I don't know, the sky falls, I guess. You know, never say never. But I love it over there. Last week, I did an episode with my friend Sam on Summer House. I love talking about Summer House. Uh, Sam and I are both sober, so we talked a lot about our... Um, perspectives of the drinking on Summer House and how somebody's sober now and somebody else is such an alcoholic that he had to sign a contract with his fiance's parents saying that if his fiance called off the wedding because he was an alcoholic that he would pay her parents back the cost of the wedding. <laughs> and this week I am doing an episode on HBO's new docuseries, uh, The Anarchists. It's if even if you don't subscribe to my Patreon, go to HBO and watch this fucking documentary series. You guys know I don't usually fuck with a docu-series, but I I love this. It's so stupid. Like the people are so stupid. It's about this group of anarchists that moved to Alcapoco and <laughs> just the idiotic stuff that they do is so funny and stupid and it I just I highly highly recommend it they are just nuts like that just everything they say one of the people has a baby that they name I first name Ira middle name Bell so I rebel <laughs> so stupid I love it it's really good uh then I think the next week I'm gonna do Scary Island from Real Housewives of New York I actually somehow haven't done that I've done early Real Housewives of New York but I haven't done that. So yeah, come to patreon.com slash Liz Explains and listen to the 8,000 episodes that I have on the back catalog. Anyway, not much going on in team. Oh, <laughs> that's not true. Okay, first, the thing that I want to say is I saw a Reddit comment this week. I don't know how I missed this, but well, I know how I miss it is that I don't care about Kale's podcast. But I guess Kale announced like a month ago on her Barely Famous podcast because, you know, she has three podcasts, which like, whatever. Good for you, girl. I'm like, <laughs> she has three podcasts. Like, I don't have two podcasts. Like, truly, who am I to judge? <laughs> Except the thing is, Kay only talks about herself on all three podcasts, and that's where she loses me. Um, I talk about, I like, you know, put in parts of myself on these podcasts, but there are topics. I don't know how she possibly talks about herself on three podcasts a week, but I guess she does. But she said on her Barely Famous podcast that Coffee Convo signed a $2 million contract. Look, I mean, Mazel Tov. Like, <laughs> I, there's no way for me to hate that. Like, truly good for fucking you. I mean, you're not call her daddy. I sometimes I think about the fact that Alex Cooper got 60 million dollars for call her daddy and I want to end it all. Um but yeah, 2 million is insane even splitting it with Lindsay and agents fees. Um that's still she's probably still taking home in taxes and stuff. She's probably she's still taking over home over $500,000. I don't know how long this contract is for, but it's really I mean really impressive. So mazel tov to you, Kale, I guess. <laughs> By the way, I don't think Kale's pregnant. I've fallen on the not pregnant. Um, she's been doing a lot of talks on her Instagram, like Q&As, about how she wants uh, her family's the perfect size. And look, does that mean Kale's not pregnant? No, of course not. As you know, I've told you guys before, I would never, ever, ever say that Kale's for sure not pregnant. I'm not an idiot. But do I think that, like, she is pregnant at this exact moment? 
I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely. So, you know, we'll see. I think she just gained weight, and that's how she carries it, to be honest. Uh, you know, the world will truly never know. The other big news is that they announced Teen Mom the next chapter. I think that's a good name. I'm here for it. Teen Mom the next chapter. I think it's an appropriate name. Um, I don't think it would ever make sense to get rid of the Teen Mom name. I know everybody's like, oh, my God, how how could you call them Teen Moms? They're not Teen Moms. Even I was... We had a family reunion on my mom's side last week, and I was talking to some of my cousins about my podcast. They're all significant. My cousins are like 50. They're significantly older than me. And one of them was like, oh, I watched like the first couple seasons of Teen Mom. She goes, that's still on? <laughs> and I said, yeah, it is. It really is. She goes, how old are they? <laughs> I said, my age. She was like, oh, my God, <laughs> truly horrified by this. <laughs> uh, but so I don't know. I think it's their franchise name. They have to keep it. As I've said before, I like the idea of this. You know, I've been calling for a conjoined show for years at this point, years and years. Uh, it starts in September, September 6th. I think I'll cover it weekly. We'll see. Um, they're going to have... Hold on. I think they have eight cast members. I'm pulling it up. I posted it on my Instagram. Follow me at feathers underscore pod if you want to see Teen Mom news. Okay, so it's Ashley, Amber, Leah, Bree, Cheyenne, Macy, Jade, and Caitlin. So it's eight of them, which I actually think works. I really like the idea of having, um, like, what am I saying here? Oh, I like the idea of having eight storylines that they can cycle through. So like only checking in with Macy every three episodes. Yeah, I would love that. I know I was saying at the last OG that I like truly never want to see Macy on my TV screen again. And I still feel that way. I really do not care for Macy and I do not care for her storylines. But I like the idea of like, I'm fine with the idea of popping in with her every once in a while. Um, I saw some people say they could do without Cheyenne and like, yeah, me too. I mean, she doesn't really add that much to the show, but I feel fine with this cast. I think being able to be with Jade and Ashley most, I think they should have Jade and Ashley on every episode. And then I think they should cycle in the other six. So like every second or third episode, we pop back in with Amber. We pop back in with Kate. I think that'd be a really good way to do it. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what it's like. I mean, I, this show is an albatross around my neck, so I'll be here, you know, I'll be here. We'll be watching the next chapter. I'm still not sure about like the family reunions. I saw that they are possibly doing a family reunion mother daughter, which I think is an interesting concept. Although I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure how you do teen mom family reunion mother daughter without Farah and Deb and Janelle and Barb. Now, do I want, I mean, they try to bring Farah back for the last one or whatever. That didn't work. So that's probably not going to happen. But do I want Farah and Deb on the show? Like, well, yeah, the answer is yeah. Like, I don't want Farrah to be rewarded with a television show, and I don't want Janelle to be rewarded with a television show. But if we're doing mother-daughter, what the fuck are we doing here without Janelle and Barb and Farrah and Deb? Who the fuck is going to be on this show? I mean, Amber and Tanya is good. As I've said many times, everybody should go back and they should watch t uh, the family boot camp, family, couples therapy, family boot camp, whatever the fucking show is called, on Oxygen, I think. They should go and they should watch the season that Amber's on with her mom and Matt because she is unhinged and Tanya is a fucking drug addicted absolute mess. She spends the first multiple days just laying in bed in horrible drug detox withdrawals. And I'm like, why would you go on a TV show without getting your meds sorted out first? Like, if you're a drug addict, like you don't travel like and if you do travel, like you get that shit figured out like I went to Israel to see Thea when I was um like kind of in the beginning of my heroin addiction and I remember I got so much Suboxone uh because like I knew I like couldn't travel there <laughs> like I couldn't just like hop on a plane and spend a week and a half away 
because I was addicted to drugs. And so I don't really know what Tanya was thinking, but she is kind of crazy. Oh, my God. A yawn is like escaping me. I'm, I'm really not even tired. <laughs> okay. So I, Amber and Tanya is fine. Kate and April, obviously. Um, although only if April's like going to show up a little drunk. <laughs> is that bad of me to say yes? Yes. Yes. But I'm really only interested in Kate and April dynamics of April's, you know, being her true April self. So, Amber, Caitlin, me no care about Macy and her mom, don't care about Cheyenne and her mom, although I actually genuinely like Cheyenne's mom. I like when she's on screen. You guys know this. I like Cheyenne's mom, her stepdad, her dad, her sister. I've always said I actually really like Cheyenne's world. I would like Cheyenne to maybe have her own show because I think it just doesn't necessarily fit on Teen Mom because I think for the most part, they're a little too normal normal except for when shy has like her fucking meltdowns i love her mom her mom's name is marguerite right like i think she's really great um i think first of all she would be crazy (laughs) if they brought her in on like a teen mom (laughs) mom's edition because i'm pretty sure marguerite's like a professional woman who runs a business and like has a very normal life (laughs) and i just don't think would fit in so well but I really like them, but I just, I'm not really interested in seeing that. Obviously, Brie and Rox, but how do you bring Brie and Rox without Brittany? So Brittany has to come too, because that's the important dynamic. Never forget, never forget, everyone, that Britt was raised to believe that her father was the man that raised her and Brie, only to find out on national television, on VH1's Couples Therapy Family Edition, different than Marriage Boot Camp Family Edition. <laughs> Two different shows. Don't get it confused. Uh, But on Couples Therapy Family Edition, that actually, surprise, you have a different biological father. Oh, and my bad, he's dead. So actually, you can't ever connect with him. (laughs) Don't do that to your kids. Don't don't do it in the first place, but then don't expose it on television. (laughs) So I think we'll see the DeJesus women. Um, I mean, I... I guess Jade, yeah, Jade and Chrissy, of course. Ashley and T, because T will fight with the other moms. (laughs) I, you guys know I'm a big fan of Pastor T. Uh, I think she makes for really good TV. And T is, for the most part, calm, cool, and collected in a way that I really like. Um, But T's not afraid to fight. And so would I like to see... Pastor T beat the shit out of Christy. Yeah, I would like to see that. So I actually think it could be kind of interesting. I think actually significantly more interesting than whatever they were doing in the last season of like couples or like the baby fathers and the girls like going on bonding missions. I think they should go full marriage boot camp family edition. I'm ex- I want to see um, when they do like the acting out my favorite. <laughs> My favorite moments, a Marriage Root Camp Family Edition. This is something that they do most seasons, maybe every season, but I think all the seasons that I've watched is that they bring in actors (laughs) to play all of the participants when they're children. It's so sick. It's sick. It's so sick. And I love it. It's so fun. Everybody has like a mental breakdown. And so, yeah, I think if MTV just like takes that format and replicates that with a mother-daughter show, that could be really interesting. But if we don't have Janelle and Barb and Farrah and Deb, like there will be a hole missing. By the way, Janelle does show up in the Teen Mom Next Chapter trailer because she goes to Bree's party. Um, She's not going to be like a cast member, but she was mic'd up. You know, she got mic'd up for the show. So here's the thing. If anybody thinks that Janelle or Farrah is off the show forever, you haven't been paying attention, right? Like this show doesn't give a fuck. This show will bring back anybody except maybe David, I guess. That's also the like that's the main thing is that like they're not going to be able to get Janelle without David unless they catch Janelle on a time that she's fighting with David because I'm pretty sure that's the reason that she went to Florida is because her and David oh my god by the way I'm sitting on the most uncomfortable chair I just moved and oh okay I'm pretty sure David and Janelle were fighting at the time I mean I don't if you don't follow her 
which I don't closely, but I see it on Reddit. Janelle and David break up like all of the time. Like her life is exactly the way that it was years and years ago. Uh, she does a little bit of a better job of hiding it on social media. But yeah, unless they can catch Janelle on a downswing with David, like they're not going to get her because she'll refuse to travel without David, blah, 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 blah. So I, for one, am looking for that's actually too strong of a sentence. I am intrigued by the concept of Teen Mom, the next chapter, and a family reunion, mother-daughter's edition. So we'll see what happens. As I said, I've been having a lot of fun doing these throwbacks. I've seen some people say that they would like to hear me cover early OG stuff, which I think I would too. I will say I think, and I've always thought this, Teen Mom 2 is a significantly better show than Teen Mom OG. It always has been, always, always, always. But I am interested in, like, the Farrah Florida years. I know I've done a couple episodes on that. I remember doing one specifically with Troy. Um, but I I am intrigued at the idea maybe of, like, a season three of Teen Mom OG. But I don't – I Teen Mom 2 has just always been a better show. And I have a feeling that once I finish Teen Mom season four – I don't know, though. If this comes back September 6th. That's the day after Labor Day, by the way. Can you believe it's like about to be fall? The summer has really flown by. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what my plan is. But as of now, we are still in the throwbacks. So let's take a really quick break and then we'll talk about season four, episodes three and four. I am fascinated by the mechanics of this season. That's not like the best word for it, but the money of this season, as I said last week when Princess was on, which we talked for 82 hours as we always do, so I'm sure some things get lost in the sauce when you're listening, but they started filming this like essentially immediately after season three. In the season three uh, reunion, they're talking about stuff that happens in season four because they had already filmed it. They go from Leah being pregnant to getting aboard. Like, it happens very, very quickly. So this is like the peak of the show. The show is doing super well. And they clearly all got substantial pay bumps like halfway through season three because that's when they all move. Um, And then this season, like... They must have given them a lot of money before season four. I think that they got a lot of money. And I know this because in this season, I think I'm going to start with Janelle, which I like never do. But in this season, Janelle gets a boob job, which I, I mean, I didn't forget she got a boob job. I guess I forgot like how quickly it happened. Um, I also forgot that Gary Head was on so few episodes because she actually dated Gary for a decent amount of time does he come back in this season I don't think so because this is when she's like with Kiefer until the heroin addiction and then quickly gets with Cortland so I don't I thought she dated Gary for like a year but I I guess she didn't I I don't really know I don't or maybe they just edited it weird to make it more like of a concise storyline not totally sure well I guess she couldn't have because she was on probation for a year (laughs) Oh, Janelle, everything in her life moves so quickly. But Janelle gets a boob job. And the reason I know they got a lot of money is because she got a boob job and Barb did not mention money one singular time. She does not say, Janelle, how the fuck are you going to pay for a boob job? She doesn't say that. So you know Janelle's got money in the bank. You know she's got money in the bank. Okay, so in this episode, in the first episode, which is uh, episode three, Uh, Janelle's getting off probation in a few days and she has decided for sure that she wants Kiefer to come visit her. Kiefer is out of prison, but he's currently living in New Jersey and she's not allowed to be hanging out with Kiefer until she gets off probation. It's actually, I mean, we know that she saw him that one time and when he like went to turn himself in, he was there for a couple days. It's actually pretty remarkable like how seriously Janelle took that clause of probation like she was really serious about that shit 
it's it's so surprising to me that Janelle really was able to complete that probation. There's no way she wasn't smoking pot. So I wonder what she did. Okay, so she is texting with Kiefer and he texts her and I froze it so that I could froze the screens, pause the screen so I could write down what it said. Kiefer texts to Janelle. I love you, baby. You are my angel. We can work it out, princess. You mean everything to me and you always will. It is me and you and Jace against the world when you get off probation. Love you, girl. Oh, gosh. Also, she has Kiefer saved in her phone as like a heart emoticon, not an emoji emoticon. You know, like the the greater than symbol and the, the number three. That is greater than. No, less than. I don't know. That's less than, right? Yeah, less than. <laughs> oh, I never said I was smart. It's so obvious what Janelle's love language is, right? Like, it's words of affirmation. I'm sure it's also probably physical touch. But Janelle is such a Vicky Gumvelson. I've said this before. I, I'm hearing it in my head that I think I said it last week. But Janelle just wants somebody to tell her that they love her. And that makes me really sad because it's not somebody having words of affirmation of their love language doesn't make me sad because I think Chelsea does, too. And that's why Cole's always posting those like long declarations of love for her. Those I'd like, "Mm, okay, like that's kind of lame, but they don't make me feel sad. But Janelle's to me comes from such like an inner child place in a way that I like when I think about it too hard I need to like take a nap like a little depression nap it's so clear that with Barbara as her mother and Bob Evans that did you know that's her dad's name Bob Evans but Barbara and Bob like did not tell Janelle that she was loved. She never felt loved as a child. It's why in that one infamous scene, she's sobbing and says to Barb, like, you never even played Yahtzee with me, which everybody made fun of, but I found, like, really fucking sad because she's not saying, like, you never... It's... She's not saying you never played Yahtzee with me. Like, yes, she's saying that, but what she's saying is, like, you never, ever took time to like just sit down and be my mother and show me that you loved me and I think that that is often the case in mothers that are in one abusive relationships and two they are lower middle class and are working two jobs and like just struggling to stay afloat I can see how you just don't have time for that but I also think part of it is just who Barb is in the way that Barb interacts with her children because there are plenty of mothers that are in really bad situations who are working nonstop, who are in unhealthy relationships, who are at least telling their children constantly that they love them, like constantly, constantly they're telling them that they love them, they're snuggling them. They may not be playing with them that much, but I just, I think it's very clear that Janelle never really felt love from her parents. Um, And obviously another thing is that like we know I mean, our love language is bullshit. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like they might be a little bit bullshit, but they are such an easy way to like, I think what it is is that love languages are a little too um, like uncomplicated and unnuanced. I did see one of my friends from high school posted that her love language is all of them, which really made me laugh. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that me too, actually. Like I, it was, she was like, writing about something her husband did and she was like you know my love languages are all of them and he tries so hard to fill them (laughs) it was just really funny um but I like love languages are I think a very easy tool to use especially like in conversation like this because you and I are in conversation when I'm podcasting But I think that Barb's love language is very clearly acts of service, right? Like Barb shows up. Like Barb is there no matter what. She pays your bills if she has to. She works really hard to make sure that you never really go without. Because even though Barbara was working like hard labor jobs, I think she was a bus driver at one point. We know she worked at Walmart. I think she was a waitress in Pennsylvania. Like she was always working like multiple jobs her kids like never went without like Janelle lived in North Carolina in a pretty nice house she seemed to have her own computer from a young age and just like they weren't rich but she had things because Barb worked really hard and I think for Barb that's like 
the way that she was showing her kids that she loved them. But when you're a child, it's not your fault if your parents' love language doesn't align with yours. And it's your parents' responsibility to figure out the way in which, like, you need to be loved. And I think that Barbara never had the emotional intelligence to figure that out for Janelle. And even watching these episodes, like watching this show, you can see it. Like you can see Janelle just like begging Barbara to like give her a hug and be like, I love you so much. I'm proud of you, even if it's not true. Because I know a lot of people are saying, well, Janelle doesn't really deserve that. And I don't disagree that a lot of times Janelle did not deserve to have Barbara like babying her and coddling her but as her mom I think that Barb really really fell short when it comes to showing Janelle love which is why she's so susceptible I think to these guys that just like love bomb her and then she gets into these really abusive situations because to her like love is sending messages like I love you so much princess it's me and you and Jace against the world like we're gonna be together all I can think about is you I think that Janelle doesn't necessarily have a sense of like what is a healthy act like what are healthy actions in relationships she really only cares about like words that make her feel good and I think every guy that she's ever dated has figured that out and it's really sad and I think at this on like the flip side when men or her significant others are really cruel to her it like really really impacts her and I'm not saying like it shouldn't impact her right because like if somebody is really cruel to you it's like okay to be upset but I do think that like for Janelle it like hurts 10 times harder because the only way that she really feels love is somebody like telling her that she's loved over and over and over again so when that same person is being very cruel with her I think it really hurts her okay so Janelle's talking to her roommate and she says that she noticed the pros and cons between him and Gary which is a very weird sentence (laughs) and she says Kiefer is nice to me all of the time and Gary is such an asshole. He's so mean. And this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like Gary was being mean to her and flipped out. And at that exact time when she's feeling so low from the verbal and also physical altercations that she's having with Gary, Janelle's feeling so low, like all Kiefer needs to come in and do is send her texts being like, you're my princess, you're my angel, I want to fuck you, I love you, you're the hottest girl in the world. And she's like all in with Kiefer. And first of all, when she said her and Kiefer don't fight, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I I swear to God, I like rewound that because I said, did she just say that? <laughs> like, what? Her and Kiefer don't fight? What is she talking about? But I think what's happening is that Janelle, I mean, first of all, Janelle is just very, very immature, right? Like we have always known this. Janelle is incredibly immature. And I think that Kiefer doesn't scream at her. I think that Kiefer treats her terribly. He puts her in terrible positions. He gets physical with her. He does all of that, but he's not in her face screaming at her. Remember, her mom is a screamer. So I think when she has been away from Kiefer for a little bit and is kind of able to forget, like, the fact that Kiefer would ignore her for days or steal from her, she'd have to, like, chase after him in the car because he, like, would refuse to engage with her. He'd cheat on her, whatever these terrible, mean things that he would do to her. I think when she's, like, removed from that memory, all she can really think about is, like, he didn't scream at me the way that my mom screams at me and makes me feel bad. And now the way that Gary is screaming at me, which is very similar to the way that my mom screams at me. So Kiefer is the good guy because he doesn't yell. Which, first of all, of course, Chanel is 20 years old in this these scenes. It's so hard for me to remember that these are 20-year-olds because I'm thinking of adult adults. Like, I'm thinking of them in current day, which is not – they're so, so young in these seasons. They're so young. But I, I can see how, I guess, she can, like, convince herself in her twisted mind that Kiefer and her don't fight. It's 
I guess. I'm like, okay, here's the other thing, though, is that, like, your ass has all those screeners, right? Like, you watched this on TV the same that we did. So go go watch some of these episodes where you're fighting with Kefart and tell me that you don't fight because I, I don't think that's an accurate statement. Um, so she's talking to Barb and she's telling Barb about the fact that she, her probation is going to be over. So she's going to smoke weed again, but not every day. Uh, Barbara's like, oh God. And Janelle goes, weed is just a plant. It's not like I'm addicted to cocaine or heroin or meth. It's just weed. And I really LOL'd at this. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Barbara's like, but you were addicted. You're self-medicating with weed. If only Janelle could have really, like, taken to heart that she was a drug addict then. And I deeply relate to this, right? Like, I didn't think you could be addicted to weed. I've talked about this. I wish when I was, like, 18, someone could have been like, you have a serious addiction to weed. By the way, I do love Anytime it comes up on Twitter when somebody's talking about weed being addictive and somebody will tweet like, I smoke weed eight times a day and it has no, absolutely no effect on me. I'm not addicted in any way. It has no negative effects. And I'm like, you smoke weed eight times a day? (laughs) Like every day? (laughs) I am so not anti-weed in any way. I'm like all pro-legalization. Let everybody out of prison that's serving for cannabis charges like I think that it works so well for some people but like if you smoke weed all day every day like they're like you're numbing yourself like there's no it might not be a problem I'm not saying it's a problem but like admit to what it is like you're numbing yourself which I I do understand in some cases is a better way to numb yourself because there are people in really serious chronic pain and if they take opiates all day like they'll be numbing themselves and they'll be really physically dependent on a drug with a very hard physical detox or if they have really bad anxiety and there's like their only alternative would be to take Xanax three times a day like yeah numbing yourself on weed is better for sure I'm not saying it's not but I'm talking about in the case of people that that's not the alternative um Yeah, it's just it's sad that Janelle is so addicted to weed and that it sends her down this path. I think that's also probably part of the reason that she wanted to be back with Kiefer because Kiefer represents this time in her life where she's smoking a bunch of weed and having fun. And Barb right away asked about Kiefer and Janelle's like, I'm probably going to see him, but he's not going to move any in with me or anything. I'm not getting back with him right away. And Barb is, of course upset about this. Why wouldn't she be? And she's like, mom, you don't even know Kiefer. People change. Okay. Okay. They change. And then Janelle gets off probation. She wears a really funny outfit. I mean, it's like her business professional outfit. And then Kiefer comes. Janelle is wearing a Ed Hardy hat, (laughs) these tiny little glasses. (laughs) And Kiefer lets us know he got his GED in prison. And they're so happy to be together. And they're going to go back to Janelle's place. She bought him the bus ticket from New Jersey, which I was like, that was good that she didn't buy him a plane ticket. (laughs) Uh, In the next episode, she lets us know that she hasn't seen her mom or Jace in a while. She's smoking again. And they show her bong, which I was trying to remember if this is the first time on Teen Mom they showed drug, like full drug paraphernalia. Did we actually see Janelle? I mean, they didn't show her smoking the bong, but I don't think we saw a bong ever before on Teen Mom. I was like, oh, oh, interesting. And she openly says, like, I'm going to smoke right now. Uh, which I feel like we didn't really see in the past. MTV went all in. Kiefer's playing Guitar Hero and truly living his best life. Uh, They're talking about how Kiefer, well, Kiefer's talking about how he's changed. And then Janelle's talking about how she's changed. And Janelle says they want to be together. She wants to be, she wants to be together, but she needs to see how things have changed before they get back together and that they can then start spending more time together. I'm like, I think Kiefer already lives at your house. (laughs) Like, Kiefer doesn't have a home. Kiefer, I think his mom at that time was, like, letting him stay with her. But I don't think that's ever a permanent place. Like, I don't think Kiefer's mom was, like, 
continuously letting Kiefer stay there because Kiefer was a fucking mess and I think she'd have to kick him out all the time. Um, When you buy a bus ticket for your ex-boyfriend who is in between homes uh, and he comes to stay with you, he lives there. Like that, that's how that works. Like he now lives in your home. It's not that that's it. Like he lives in your home. So Janelle decides in this episode that she wants to get a boob job. She says that she feels like a 12-year-old when she's in her bikini, and she really thinks it will fix her relationship with guys because she gets into a lot of fights with her boyfriends because she says she feels insecure about it. They tell her that she doesn't need bigger boobs. She says they don't understand, and then they have a fight. So she thinks that when she gets her boob job, it will fix that, and that she's 5'2", so she looks like a child. As somebody who's 5'1", like, no. That, no, <laughs> you don't look like a child. <laughs> um, She tells Kiefer and Kiefer's not into it either. Uh, by the way, Janelle says that she hasn't seen Jace because she's been busy working and hanging out with Kiefer. And to that, I said working. I mean, MTV is her job at this point. But like MTV wants to film you with Jace. So what do you mean you're busy working? What is that? What does that mean in this context, Janelle? Okay, so Janelle schedules a consultation with a surgeon, and <laughs> this is when Kiefer lets us know he's going to start making hand-carved wooden tobacco pipes, and Janelle's like, well, it's not going to make you money. He goes, yeah, I just need to get tools and some exotic wood. <laughs> Janelle does buy him the tools and the exotic wood. Eventually, she says that these uh, tool, these like him making these pipes resulted in Janelle getting black lung disease. <laughs> Yep, that's when Janelle was claiming that she had black lung disease, which is a hilarious classic that always makes me laugh. Okay, so Janelle goes to see her mom and tells her mom about the boo job. And Barb is not thrilled about it, but I'm guessing Janelle has her money now because Barb doesn't mention money. She doesn't say you can't do it. She's just saying, I don't know, Janelle. And Janelle's explaining all the reasons. Oh, by the way, there was one really gross moment when Janelle is telling Kiefer that she has... She goes, I feel like a 12-year-old. He goes, you have bigger tits than a 12-year-old. <laughs> My God. Uh, don't ever say tw- tits and 12-year-old in the same sentence. So gross. But Janelle's explaining why she wants it. And she says, you know, Mom, when guys say size matters when they have a small dick, it's like that for me, but like everybody can see it. Barb is really tickled by this and is really laughing. (laughs) And so, yeah, Janelle's going to get her boob job soon. Thrilled. Thrilling. I always kind of forget that she got that. She still has them. So, I mean, I guess I guess she's happy with them. Although I'm pretty sure she couldn't afford to fix her boob job now. She wanted to. Okay, let's pop on over to Chelsea's house. Um, She gets a text from Adam or Adam calls her. She hasn't talked to him for a while and she's like over the moon and he says he wants to get lunch and see Aubrey and she goes to her mom and she's like, Adam wants to see me, but he hasn't followed up with the plans. So eventually he texts her and says like, I'm too tired. I don't want to do it tonight. And Chelsea's like, God, fine. This really sucks. And then she gets on Facebook and One of her friends has posted a status like I'm going to the movies tonight and Adam commented, I'm going to the movies too. And Chelsea's like, what the fuck? Actually says, what the heck, mom? In like the most Midwestern accent I've ever heard her use. And so she like texts um, Adam and says like, you're ditching Aubrey. By the way, in the background, Aubrey just yells, I want pizza. (laughs) Aubrey is so cute in these episodes. And Adam texts back like the fucking asshole he is. I'm not ditching Aubrey. I'm ditching you. Oof. I mean, look, look, look. Is that a fucked up thing for a father to say? Yes. Is it the truth? Yeah. I mean, like he is ditching Aubrey. Don't get me wrong. Like, of course he's ditching Aubrey. But Chelsea always pretends like she doesn't this isn't really involve her right and like it's really the only people here who are involved are Adam and Aubrey and like this isn't about me it's about Aubrey but like 
it is about Chelsea primarily. And we know that because once Chelsea stops trying to fuck Adam, she's like, I hope he dies and I never have to see him again. (laughs) I these are hard to watch because it's like Chelsea's right about a lot of the stuff she says about Adam, but her motivations are not what she's saying they are. It's really easy for her to be like, this is about Aubrey because nobody can really argue with that. And because it is important for her to, for him to see Aubrey. But at the same time, at the same time, it's like, it's clearly not about Aubrey. This is about you. Um, Chelsea's period is late and she's really stressed. Adam goes out with a group of friends and he's talking to this older guy who has three kids with a woman that this guy says, I have three kids with a woman that I want to kill. But, you know, like we have to get along for our kids. And he says, so I wave to her instead of shooting her. No, I never, ever, ever, ever want to hear a man joke about killing a woman. I especially don't want to hear a man joke about shooting a woman. The specificity of like, I want to shoot her is really scary to me. Um, Men are really scary, right? Like, that's just the truth. Men are really scary. And a man openly talking about wanting to shoot his ex-wife, for some reason, I feel like there's a difference between being like, oh, I could kill my ex-wife, and being like, I want to kill her, I want to shoot her. It just, it just, it just gave me the real creeps. Uh, Adam says that he and Chelsea are civil, but Chelsea's in the wrong with this. Of course. Of course. And he says he'll always love Chelsea and have her back. Which, like, what? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) And thank God Chelsea's period comes. And you know that Chelsea uh, was purposely trying to get pregnant because of the way that she's talking about it. She's like, oh, well, you know, I'm glad now that my period came. (laughs) She said, I always regret doing anything with Adam. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you regret sleeping with him unprotected. Not because you almost got like, not because now you're worried about being pregnant because you wanted like that. What I'm saying doesn't make sense. But Chelsea wanted to get pregnant by Adam. I'm 100 percent sure. She does say, though, she has a moment of clarity in which she says, if I was pregnant, he probably wouldn't come around at all, which, yes, correct. Correct, Chelsea. Also, Chelsea's hair is so fucking ugly in this episode. I cannot emphasize enough. (laughs) So in the second episode, because she never told her mom about sleeping with Adam and now she's gotten her period, so she's definitely not pregnant, she decides she wants to tell her mom. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Why do you want to do that? So she goes over there and she's like, well, you know, Adam and I slept together and when he came to see Aubrey and Aubrey went to bed and then we went to bed and Mary is like Chelsea and she goes and I'm not on birth control and Mary is like distressed Mary's distressed and she's like you need to what do you mean like you need to be on birth control you need to keep condoms around and Chelsea's like I don't have sex with anyone and Chelsea's like her mom is like but you did you had sex with Adam and Chelsea then starts going to mom I know okay mom I know okay but I'm not pregnant because I got my period like this is why I don't understand like I truly at my core understand the way that Chelsea talks to her mother because I love my mother very much but when I spend a significant amount of time with her as I did last weekend at my family reunion um I go and I become the worst version of myself like truly nobody makes me the worst version of myself quite like my mom does I don't know why it's really sick I don't love it it actually is like a issue with my character I don't like it but it just it's just the truth and so I see that Chelsea does that too. And I don't really judge that, but I'm like, why go over to your mom's house and tell her I fucked Adam without birth control and then get mad when your mom starts lecturing you on birth control? What other outcome did you think was going to happen from this conversation? You knew what this conversation was going to be. So why are you having it? And if you are having it, why are you getting your mad? Why are you getting mad at your mom for reacting exactly the way that you knew she would? Doesn't make any sense. 
Uh, Chelsea does go back to the doctor and she decides to get an IUD again, which, you know, thank God. Oh, this is how I knew that she was trying to get pregnant because she talks to her friend Laura after and Chelsea goes, you know, is it weird that I'm like sad about the IUD? <laughs> because like, I it's not that I want to be pregnant, but like, no, I can't get pregnant. And I'm like, oh, she was definitely planning another baby. She was definitely planning another baby. Um, so they're talking and then Chelsea gets a text and she starts yelling like, shut up, shut up. And Laura's like, what, what? And Chelsea finds out that she has to move because the owner of her house wants to move into the house by April. And it says in the lease that she's allowed to do it. Um, I do know that there are certain laws that protect a landlord for a landlord like moving back into their home. Um, that are usually more favorable to a landlord allowing them to break a lease versus like just breaking a lease because uh, landlords aren't really allowed to break leases. Uh, you can sell the property, but then the lease carries over. Usually you have to pay to get tenants out. Like um, my cousins are selling a duplex that they own and there are tenants in there and they're paying the tenants to break their lease so that they'll move. Like a pretty decent amount of money. Um, it's actually honestly kind of a good deal for the tenants. I mean, in some ways it's not, but in some ways it is. And she calls her dad. She's like all flipped out and she's like, what am I supposed to do? And her dad says, well, we're going to have to look for another place or you're going to have to go back to where you were. She's like, I don't want to go back to where I was. And I was like, does she still have that apartment rented? Does she still have the lease to that apartment? Is that apartment just sitting empty? Is that like the only apartment complex in all of their town? And so like that is like one of the only options she has. I think she must have that apartment sitting empty and Randy's paying for it. I mean, I'm sure rent at that point in 2011 in like South Dakota was probably not that high. And I bet the rent for both of those places probably less than a one bedroom apartment by me in the year 2022. But they're talking about it like that apartment is available, which is crazy. Chelsea is crying. She's so upset. And okay, I found this to be really interesting because I it's totally legit that she's upset about this, right? Like, I don't know quite timeline where we are, but having to move out right after you move in like that fucking sucks. I feel for her there. But she's with her friend, Laura, and she just kept set, keep saying nothing ever works out for me. Not, I never get what I want. Like everything is always so hard for me. Everything always is stressful. She's crying. And Laura, who I believe is a child, right? Laura has a kid around the same age as Aubrey and she's around the same age as Chelsea because all of Chelsea's friends were also teen parents. Um, Laura goes, yeah, my life is like that too. And Chelsea's like, yeah, but like my life. And she's like on the phone with her dad being like, dad, you have to find me a new place to live as she's crying. And Laura's really not being empathetic in this scene. And I think that Laura is like, shut the fuck up. Like we are riding in your brand new bright orange Jeep Wrangler. You have another home that you can go to. You just don't want to. You can move into your dad's very big home if you want to, if you have to. Your dad's going to find you a new place. Like, this was one of the first times I've ever noticed one of Chelsea's friends really be like, what? Like, really not having it for Chelsea. There is a cute little moment that she's crying and Aubrey goes, mommy, happy? Mommy, happy? And then Aubrey starts chanting, stop crying. <laughs> So Chelsea has to move and uh, it's the end of the world for her. All right, let's pop up to Kale, who is dropping Isaac off for the first time in weeks. And, you know, when I hear her say that, I have to be like, is that why she got the PFA? <laughs> is that why? So she could spend some time with Isaac uninterrupted. Her friend is over and Kale's like, how can I respect that he has his girlfriend there the one day that he has his son? How can I respect that? And I'm like, isn't Javi living with you? <laughs> the hypocrisy in this episode is fucking insane. It's insane. Uh, she does drop off with Joe. It 
It goes fine. Everybody is at Joe's parents' house, like, thrilled to see him. Janet and his dad and V and everybody's giving Isaac kisses. And, I mean, it had been, like, usually sees his family every week. And it had been, like, three weeks. So I was happy for Isaac to go over there. So Joe and Janet are talking about it. And Janet is like, this has nothing to do with you, basically. (laughs) Like, Kale has her own shit that she needs to deal with, which I think I really agree with Janet on. So Kale's talking to Javi about the drop-off, and Kale says, you know, it went fine, I guess. We just need to, like, figure out how to talk to each other. And Javi goes, "This Javi is, ooh, ooh, this is the real Javi. We're seeing it. We're seeing it come out. We're seeing what Javi is doing. Javi goes, why are you defending Joe? And Kale, Kale's like, what? Huh? I'm not defending Joe. What are you talking about? Like, you can tell that Kale is, like, genuinely confused by what Javi is saying here because she's like I'm not defending Joe we just need to like co-parent we need to learn how to talk to one another which by the way I feel like Joe didn't always know how to talk to Kale but by this point in time Joe has been extremely reasonable with Kale for the last few years for the most or the last year for the most part so when she keeps being like we 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 need to fix this I'm like I think it's an eye problem for you Kale (laughs) but okay okay fine 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 but yeah Javi is like being a fucking dick about this he's being really really rude Kale's like I I don't know what you're talking about we just we need to learn how to talk and Javi goes well you know you're just defending him like how is it in his best interest for Isaac to see his dad hit his mom which by the way like didn't happen right I'm like "Mm, what story did Javi get (laughs) I'm what story did Javi get here and Kale goes well I hit him too and Javi goes it doesn't matter it doesn't matter this you need to not defend him I'm like whoa okay it was really weird um, the rest of the episode is basically that Kale is dropping down to two classes and it's going to take her a long time to finish college or community college, her AA. And her advisor is incredibly nice and supportive. She's like, what, it's going to it's going to take her like two and a half more years. She's already been there for three years. And her advisor's like, it's OK. That's what community college is. He's like, we're set up so that people can do that and take their time. And I just thought it was really nice. And I'm a big supporter of community college. Okay, in the second episode, Kale and Joe are going back to court because she does not want V around Isaac. Once again, she has Javi living with her. Like, Javi will be coming down the stairs holding Isaac uh, from, like, giving him a bath and, like, (laughs) fully parenting him. And Kale will be like, how dare Joe have V around Isaac? (laughs) Uh, Joe decides he's going to move to Jersey, um, but he's going to come back every week to see Isaac. He's not going to live with his girlfriend, but he gets his own place. So mazel tov to Joe. Oh, my God. I swear I'm not tired. The yawn. Sometimes it's just when I'm talking, a yawn comes out. Um, V is like, so what about like me moving in? And Joe's like, I'm not even thinking about that. <laughs> I'm not even thinking about us moving in together. <laughs> v looks crushed. Her heart is absolutely crushed. Okay, so... Joe is supposed to have Isaac and he texts Kale like he can't get he can't get back to Pennsylvania that weekend so she can just keep him and Kale is upset about it because then she goes on Twitter and sees that he's like hanging out with his friends and I get why she's upset I totally get it but I don't the way that Kale acts like Joe is never around Isaac is just so weird it's so weird it doesn't reflect reality uh kale can't believe they're going back to court again because this will be the fourth time in two years and i'm like wasn't that every time (laughs) like was wasn't it your fault every time aren't you always the one that's filed i don't know if joe's ever filed (laughs) oh gosh okay so they go to mediation nothing happens joe calls v and lets her know that kale's like really adamant about v not being there and he doesn't really get it And V got on Twitter, I guess, and said, yes, I drink. Yes, I smoke. I didn't know my life was a fucking crime. And Kale's telling Javi this. And she's like, is V a fucking idiot? She's like, that's what you're going to tweet after my ass is 
after I'm working my ass off to get you out of my son's life, which, yes, that was really stupid of you to post. Like, really, really stupid. Classic 18-year-old thing to do. But at the same time, Kill, do you hear yourself? (laughs) Why are you working your ass off to get V out of Isaac's life? You are unwell. She's so unwell. All right, let's pop on down to West Virginia. The fucking whiplash that I got in these two episodes. We kind of get to the um, the conclusion of the Corey, Jeremy back and forth. So Kayla comes over. By the way, we get an, anytime I get a scene of these girls holding that dog, I'm like, save that dog. Both the twins are in the Barbie Jeep and Allie is like clutching the little Yorkie in her arms. <laughs> wonder what happened to that dog. Mm, R.I.P. probably. So Kayla and Leah are talking about Jeremy and Leah is going on and on about her. You know, Corey and I created a family and when we're good, we're really damn good. And now Kayla's saying that Leah should be with Corey. But like uh, Kayla's a real flip flopping bitch, honestly. Any Kayla is just like agreeing with Leah no matter what in a way that's like not being a very good friend, to be honest. So Kayla's like, well, you know, I think that like you're never going to like another guy the way that you like Corey. And Leah says, I'm worried that we're going to get together and he will crush me again because I have a great guy willing to do everything. And he's just sitting there and waiting okay okay Leah the way in which Leah I know I talk about this every week but the way in which Leah truly acts like she had absolutely no part in their breakup is so wild to me I I, sorry I cannot get over it I just cannot get over it uh But she really wants to make it work with Corey. So she goes over to his house and, you know, Corey's like, I've tried to get over you, but I can't. Um, Leah says that, you know, it's not fair to Jeremy, but she wants to make it work with Corey. And basically, you know, they decide that they want to make it work. Leah's wearing insane blush. Leah lets Corey know that, like, the girls are old enough to know and that it's hurting the girls. And Corey kind of... uh, blows her off and she goes Corey Tyler I love when she calls him Corey Tyler (laughs) Corey Tyler they know when they're we're together or not (laughs) Corey is scared um he's like I don't really understand like you can love me and Jeremy at the same time I just I I don't want to get back with you and then you run back to Jeremy which to me to me feels like the way bigger threat in this relationship than this thing of Leah being Leah keeps saying like I'm scared we'll get together and then you'll leave me again but as far as I know every time Leah and Corey have broken up it's because she's fucked Robbie (laughs) am I wrong isn't that why they fucked up back right after she had the babies and that's why they or why they fucked up why they broke up right after she had the babies and then that's why they broke up again this time so she really keeps making it seem like I like I think in her head she a hundred percent thinks that she only cheated because like Corey was I don't know not being a great boyfriend or husband to her which is probably like true but it's so wild the revisionist history that Leah has done and essentially they come down to the uh agreement that they're gonna go to counseling uh, Leah also says, like, you know, if you were serious about it, you would have went to counseling with me before. <laughs> she loves sewing that one in Corey's face. Um, and she realizes she has to break up with Jeremy. She's like, we shouldn't be living together. I had to break up with him. So Jeremy comes home and she lets him know that they're done. And Jeremy's like, so we're done? And Leah goes, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's like, so am I just supposed to put my life on hold while you figure this out? And Leah's like, no, I understand if you can't do that. But look, if you were in Corey's shoes, like, wouldn't you be trying to get your family back? And Jeremy goes, if I was in his shoes, I never would have left my family. Into that, I say, L-O-L. 
like hearing Jeremy of all people say that Jeremy who could easily go a year without talking to his daughter daughter and not even flinch Corey never left his family Corey has never left his family Corey has been there for those little girls from the moment they were born he has left Leah but he hasn't left his family and to be honest has he left Leah I feel like Leah are always left him but that's besides the point so the idea that Jeremy is sitting there being like Corey I never would do what Corey did is just very very funny very funny uh Jeremy packs up all the stuff and Leah's like do you want your ring and he said yeah but Corey or excuse me Jeremy said you know I'm not done here I don't think I know I told Leo we could break up but I want to do something. So Jeremy gets on his little cell phone and he calls Corey because remember Jeremy and Corey know each other and he says can I come over to talk? What the fuck? (laughs) That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Leah ended things with you. Leave these two alone. Like are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So Jeremy goes over there and Corey's like, I mean, I I don't know if we're like going to be together. And I'm like, oh, Corey, what? Corey, and this is where I guess I'll agree with Leah because Corey has had like this whole conversation with Leah that they're back together. And then he is telling Jeremy like, I don't really know. I'm not totally sure what's going on. <laughs> Oh, he's like, I just, you know, I just told her that we should go to counseling. <laughs> he's like, I hate that you got dragged into this. I feel really bad. Um, it, it, this is, it's so fucked up that they're having this conversation at all. Jeremy is worried that Corey and Lee are going to break up after six months. And Corey's like, yeah, I'm worried about that too. Corey says, because, you know, we're six months on and off. And this is where Corey says, because Robbie wouldn't keep his dick out of her long enough. Uh, what? That's a way to phrase it. That's a way to phrase it. Jeremy's like, yeah, fuck Robbie. And I'm like, LOL. Once again, it's so funny watching this, like, in hindsight, because everything that Jeremy is saying, like, is exactly what Leah ends up doing to him, which is just really fucking funny to me. Uh, you know, Corey's like, I'm scared that she'll leave me for you in six months. And they like have this talk. It doesn't, there's really no conclusion. They just talk, except the next day, what does Jerem do? Jerem calls up Leah. (laughs) Jerem calls. He says, hey, Lee, I went over to Corey's last night. He said he doesn't want to be with you. He's not sure if he wants to be with you. He doesn't even know what's going on. Jeremy is a little master manipulator. I totally forgot this happened. Honestly, like kind of props to Jerem. Like, honestly, good for you because he figured out exactly what needed to be done and he did it. And Leah is, of course, really upset by this. And we see a pic- we see a scene of Leah on the phone with Corey and Leah's wearing her real Ugg boots. I noticed this season she has real Ugg boots on and I'm like, Oh, they got paid. (laughs) Lee's got a real pair of Ugg boots. Like, you know, that was like a big purchase for her. I was happy for her. So she calls up Corey and she's like, hey, I just talked to Jeremy and he said that like, you don't want to be with me. Um, And Corey's like, well, I mean, like, I didn't really say that. Like, I don't really know what you're talking about. I, I just... I I don't he's basically like I don't know I don't know what's going on and Lee's like well do you want to be together like do you want to schedule the appointment he keeps doing his I don't know thing I don't know thing and you know what like I get why Leah finds this frustrating what Leah said like six episodes ago where she was like I just want Corey to say like we will be together we will work I'm ready to fight for us I get why she feels that way but at the same time like Corey's never going to give you that and that's why you shouldn't be with Corey you'll never be that way Corey starts saying how he's worried that, you know, Leah's going to cheat on him again. And Leah's like, I'm giving everything away for you and you're not doing anything for me. And she's like, what do you I need to do to prove to you that you I won't cheat on you again? (laughs) 
Then Leah says, some other guy, Jeremy, is fighting for your family and you're not. And Corey's like, I fought for my family in the past. And then Leah goes, what did we say the other night? The past is the past. You should have done counseling with me. What? (laughs) And Leah's like, you know what? I won't feel bad for you. I won't feel bad for you. And Corey's totally silent. And then he lets out the loudest burp ever. And Leah is so mad. And I would have been so mad too. She's like, I'm getting off the phone. I'm getting off the phone here. So now Corey, now Leah goes out to lunch with Kayla and tells Kayla she's going to be with Jeremy. And Kayla's like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) Flip flopping bitch. She says that, you know, she misses Jeremy and she's impressed that he's like still willing to wait around for her. And she's like, I'm leaving a yes for an I don't know, maybe let's see. And it's like, yeah, it's been this way the whole time. Like, why are you acting brand new about this? Uh, Kayla's like, yeah, yeah, I think you should get back with Jeremy. So they have a drop off, which is where everything in Leah's life happens. And Leah is like, you know, I need you to commit to me. And he, Corey, once again, is doing his, I don't know, I don't know. And Leah is like, I want a family. I want to raise them up in the church. It's like, huh? I've never heard Leah talk about church. (laughs) And Leah said that she's done uh, riding Corey's ride. And Corey says that he's done riding Leah's ride. And Leah said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm calling it quits. I'm calling it. I'm done. I don't want to be with you. I want to be with Jeremy. And that's where we end. So I guess we're back on the Jeremy train. I think she does still go back and forth a little bit. But I love watching the Jeremy, Corey, Leah triangle. It's so fun. And that's it for this week. I hope everybody's lovely week. Subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.